Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to have you back for another episode. Real quickly, though, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers, too. Today. You're going to hear my conversation with Nate Hibble, who is a former NFL quarterback turned entrepreneur. He is the creator and CEO of the healthy fast food restaurant brand Gusto, which has 12 locations throughout the Atlanta area. Nate has been quoted by several national publications, including CNN, QSR Magazine, and Fast Casual Magazine. During today's chat, we discuss the importance of following your passion, building a winning culture, and more. One other thing worth noting. Gusto was named one of QSR Magazine's best brands to work for in 2022. Impressive, right? You're really going to enjoy today's conversation with Nate. You ready? Let's go. Nate, I am so glad to have you here inside the huddle with us today. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. As you know, on the podcast, we have a lot of guests on the show who have played in the NFL, and some of them are still in the league today. Some of them have gone on to do great things in business, and you are doing some phenomenal things with Gusto, which I'm excited to talk about on our time together. So the first question, though, Nate, is are you ready to move the ball? Absolutely. Let's go. All right, let's do it. So before we get into talking about your journey as an entrepreneur and building out the Gusto business, Let's talk just briefly about your football journey. So you're from a small town in Georgia. You started out your collegiate athlete career at the University of Georgia and then transferred to the University of Oklahoma, then went on to play in the NFL. When you look at the competitive athlete mentality, what is it about having that experience that has helped you to be successful, not only on the field, but off the field as well with Gusto and with everything else that you've done in life? That's a big question. My past experiences as a leader was a big part of our early investors believing that I could do this. Something like 90 plus percent of restaurants don't work, you know, past X amount of years. And I had the audacity to think that I was going to invent a new brand. I can, I think, speak for some of those early investors that all those years of blood, sweat and tears and leading others is a big part of it. If I had to pick a couple words, I would say toughness, perseverance, being a great teammate. I absolutely love when others are winning around me. Being respectful, knowing that eyeballs are on you all the time as a former quarterback. We could go on and on and on. In particular, just getting through the pandemic for you know two and a half years was very hard and very unpredictable for us. The things I I learned from a a mental capacity at the University of Oklahoma, Jerry Schmidt, our strength and conditioning coordinator, 
back in the day, who's there now working under Brent Venables. He helped me push beyond the limitations that I had set in my brain. And I think that that toughness and, and that mindset has carried over into the business setting. My listeners know that this whole Move the Ball movement started with me writing a book about football called Move the Ball. And in that book, I talk a lot about how we as individuals need to act as if we were the quarterback in our own lives and we need to drive that forward ball movement. And so as a quarterback who played both collegially and professionally, you know all about that importance of taking command and really looking at what are the things that you're going to do so that you can drive that ball forward. When you look at your time playing in the NFL, how did that help you when it came to starting out gusto and really going into the restaurant industry did you leverage that brand of being an nfl player to your advantage i didn't walk around with a jersey on saying hey i'm a former college and nfl player give me money if that's what you mean i mean i a part of my journey and part of my story jen is to kind of recreate who i was as a person i've been known as a, a football player and athlete for most of my life and i really wanted to create something of my own not everybody goes down the path of, like I said, creating a, a new brand out of thin air. That's semi-crazy. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that having that experience, having that reputation, having that resume, if you will, of being a collegiate athlete and a, and a professional athlete, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, that it gets you indoors. It gets you in conversations. It makes for fun stories. I think it's easier to believe in a former leader who's executed in front of 100,000 people on a Saturday afternoon or on TV in front of millions. So there's certainly some type of trust that's built up there. But I jumped in an industry that I knew nothing about and arguably one of the hardest industries on the planet, that being the restaurant business. So it got me in some doors, but I'd, I'd like to think that my head and my heart got me to the place of birth and gusto and having a chance to make it a real thing. The reason I ask that is because I do work with a lot of NFL players today. And one of the things when it comes to other business opportunities is leveraging the fact that you have that NFL experience, not in an arrogant way, but in a way to what you had mentioned, it helps to open doors, to facilitate conversations. So you have earned the right to be in the NFL. So leverage that part of your background in a productive way, not arrogant way to continue to create other business opportunities. So that's why I was asking to see how much did that help you as you were starting out and trying to have conversations, maybe entice investors and you just kind of help you get the ball moving. One of my early investors was a former teammate, Kelly Holcomb, NFL quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, was Peyton Manning's backup and with the Colts for many years. So again, it's there, but my story might be a little different than most in that when Gusto first came out of the ground, I had a PR company say the headlines need to be former NFL quarterback, former college quarterback. And I wouldn't say necessarily have been running from those headlines. I just, again, I didn't want to be identified as that. I, want to, I wanted to be identified as a founder of a business. I want to be identified as a creator. And so it's a unique thing. I will say the older and the wiser and the, and the more experienced I get, it just makes sense to leverage some of that past and to leverage some of those buzzwords because there is PR sensation that comes with the entertainment business and, and sports. So I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. You know, I'm just thankful that we, we continue to grow the business and 
I'll say this, I finally look back on my college pro pro days and there's not a day that goes by that there's not something that I lived and learned as a former athlete that I don't apply on a daily basis as a business owner. And let's run things back. So walk us through the journey of starting Gusto. What intrigued you about the restaurant industry for one? And then why Gusto? Why the name? Why the menu choices that you wanted to focus on? All of that stuff. 2009, 2010, I was kind of at the metaphorical bottom of the barrel. I was going through a lot of life changes, recession, a divorce, and done with ball. And a lot of athletes look around going, what do I do next? I've had a damn itinerary for the last 20 years of my life every day. What do I do? How do I move? How do I take that first step? It really started with just the acknowledgement of me knowing that I didn't want a quote unquote regular job. I didn't want to go get a job where I had a nine to five. I slowly started to realize that I might want to create my own thing and being a person who was always looking for healthier food. I could not shake the idea of why aren't there more healthy options that are accessible and affordable in Atlanta. At the time, I'm eating at Willie's three times a week. Like, what the heck? Why aren't there more options? And the further out west you go, there are. But in the south, kind of behind in that category. Nowadays, Sweet Green, Cava, Chopped, all these big national players are in town. But in 2014, when I started Gusto, there, there wasn't a bunch. So it started with something that I wanted as a consumer. And again, I didn't have a whole lot to lose at the moment. So I just started experimenting. I started experimenting with food, ingredients from around the world. I didn't see it coming, but I just absolutely fell in love with the stories behind mangoes and where cilantro is used and where it's not. What a pesto is and some of these things that are kind of common now, but I'm, I'm from a small town in South Georgia and really had a pretty closed, fixed mindset when it came to food. So over the course of a couple of years, began the laboratory in my little kitchen. And I literally started inventing what I wanted as a consumer, what I felt like was a hole in the Southeast. I'm fast forwarding, but it took me four years and I got plenty of help along the way. It took me four years to get the brand out of my heart that is Gusto and the logo and the the menu that came with that. And uh, I ended up on Gusto because it stands for passion. It stands for moxie, enthusiasm. And there's an exclamation point at the end of Gusto in our logo. And it's just, it's extra. I believe in chasing your passions. And four years, that's quite a long time. And by the way, I worked in four or five different restaurants along that four-year journey. But I was kind of behind closed doors. Like friends and family didn't know where I was. What's this guy doing? Is this ever going to be a real thing? And 2014 in October, we opened the doors of the first one across the street from Piedmont Hospital on Peachtree and haven't looked back since. Oh, I love the story. And thank you for telling us more about kind of why you chose the name and how you came up with the menu. I think it's important that when you're coming up with your own business, you don't want to rush it. This is your baby. And so you want to take the time and care and make sure that you're focused on the branding of it, the name, what is the product offering that you're going to be providing, whether it's tied to food or some other business. So all that is very important. And you mentioned opening up on Peachtree. Now, I did not know 
that your Peachtree location was the first location, but I did check out where you have 12 locations today, where were all of them at? I actually, you mentioned Piedmont Atlanta Hospital. One time I was in Atlanta for a client meeting and I ended up having food poisoning and had to be ambulanced to Piedmont Atlanta. So yeah, that that, uh, was not the most fun experience. So when I saw that you had that location, I was like, oh, I know where that area is. I've been there close by. That little section has a, a fond place in my heart and memory forever, you know, because opening the doors, you do all this work to get the doors open. And then, of course, the customers, they don't just come running in. So that first year of actually being open at Gusto Number 1 was probably the hardest time of my entire life because I've been a quarterback, but I've never been, I've never been the president of the university. I've never written paychecks. I've never dealt with human beings, teammates as being the boss. So opening my business was much bigger, much broader, much more comprehensive than just being one team player, even even if the quarterback is the leader. So a lot of lessons learned there. And I was working 80, 90, 100-hour weeks and slept in that parking lot a bunch. So now it's kind of romantic. I miss the early days, but a lot of memories. I have a number of entrepreneurs on the show who have built incredible brands. I have a lot of other friends who have not been on the show who are entrepreneurs. And a common thing that people talk about is you have a plan and it never goes is planned. There's always going to be challenges that you've never expected that would pop up, especially in the earlier years getting going as well. But when you look back at that first year or two outside of the things that you just mentioned, were there any other things that really took you by surprise? as you were trying to navigate this new space of being a restaurateur and having a business and leading a team? In the restaurant business, I wouldn't say it was a, it was a gradual surprise for me. You know, I've been in a lot of locker rooms and they're typically pretty diverse, but just the spectrum of socioeconomic differences for, for a restaurant worker. My first job in the first restaurant I ever got, I immediately fell in love with the four Mexican dudes that were working beside me. And I had never been in the restaurant world, all human beings come in all these different shapes, sizes, and backgrounds and religions. And so trying to build a team out of thin air, man, what a humbling experience. And it was immediately started working on me as a a human being. And what what kind of leader am I going to be? Am I going to be the a-hole who's a screamer and a yeller, or I'm going to be more compassionate in nature and, and how are those going to play out? How are they going to bleed into performance and, and the culture that gets created early on? So there were a lot of things that were surprising. I, I would say people ask me, what, what would I do differently? I tell young and new business owners all the time to invest as heavily as they can in marketing because it was a real weakness. We had this, what felt like a pretty building inside and out. And we had the grill cooking and it smelled good. But one of our weaknesses, and I, I really just didn't know what I was doing at the time, was a legit marketing plan to get folks in the door. And, and therefore, the business eventually came because our product was good and our reputation was spreading via word of mouth. But I, I was really surprised. Again, I didn't realize how big the city was. When you're in the bottle, you can't see the bottle, right? I thought we were building and creating something special and that people would just come automatically. It takes massive effort to get guests, consumers to try your new product. 
especially in a big city like Atlanta. So what a what a dang lesson. You hear a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, they're banging their head about like, oh, when am I going to get the customers or when is this thing going to take off? Was there ever a time that you thought, I need to give myself a date if this isn't going to work by X, I think it's seriously time to maybe think about doing something different? Or were you like, you know what? Nope, this is going to go and I'm in it and it's going to be great. Like, did you ever have that moment where you were close to thinking maybe it's time to think about something else? (laughs) No. Not one time. Awesome. That's great. Not one time. And I'm 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 not pausing for drama. It's just I knew that the effort that had been put put into the brand and the intentionality put into the menu and the speed of service. I believed in the value proposition. I believed in real food. I believed in our human beings. And we had a, a decent first location. It had failed three or four other restaurants, but it was across the street from a huge hospital. And so for me, it was just a patience and waiting game. Later, I looked back and said, my God, I was absolutely spellbound by this. I probably should have been more scared, (laughs) but there just was never a doubt in my mind. And man, once those things start creeping in, it's it's hard to get them out. So thank God that they didn't really creep in. But th- there is one moment that I tell a story where business was really slow and we opened in October, November. It's cold. This town completely disappears around the holidays. And it's January. We got a good day. And I went in the back in our little restaurant office and was just praying to God and asking for help. And I'll just never forget that moment because I came back around to the front kitchen where the guest experience menu is. And there was our first big line and it just felt, it felt divine. It felt special. And that memory's burned in my brain and I'm forever grateful for the, the medical community around Gusto number one for their believing in us and, and their support of the product. Oh, I love that. Now, how long was it before you opened up Gusto Number Two? I don't remember the exact date. At least two years. At least two years. There, there were some investors and people early on. Hey, you should franchise this. Hey, this is legit. Hey, let's get going. Open Number Two. I'm like a lot of entrepreneurs, absolute control freak, perfectionist, and so I had a hard time letting go of not being at the first one all day, every day, and not making almost every bowl and. And not sweeping the floor all day. Like I wanted everything to be perfect all the time. And it's just not possible. It's not sustainable. Unless you're just going to have one business, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it was always invented and intended to be a brand. And that requires multiple locations. So I got a chance at really kind of a, a yucky building on Ponce, which is the new Main Street in Atlanta. It was always Peachtree and now Ponce. And it was clearly a transitioning area. And it was a former chow baby and started to envision what this looks like. The Claremont Hotel wasn't even a thing. It had been dead and Ponce had been kind of a choppy street for a long time. But now that that store on Ponce is our number one store as this area has completely exploded. So I'm very thankful that that second opportunity came along on the path to what was going to be a fertile area. 
as you know, people talk about in business, it's all about location, location, location. It's not, there's more things than that, but that is important too. When it came to looking at that location, as well as your other 10 locations, I mean, there are some people listening to the show who are thinking of starting a business or have a business and might be looking to expand to another location or multiple locations. What are some of the considerations that you thought through as you were making those decisions? In terms of growing? In terms of the location, like if you were to say, hey, these are three things you absolutely should be looking for, thinking about when expanding your business into a new location, what would those things be? Well, shoot, it's pretty open-ended. I mean, it depends on the industry, depends on the product. I mean, I can speak to restaurants and retail. There's a lot of people doing a lot of business behind a computer these days. (laughs) But for us, it's about choosing strong A locations that are highly accessible. We believe in our product. That means it's gonna, the rent's going to be expensive. I'm just not somebody who would push somebody to go find a more affordable slash cheaper solution, B location, C location, just because it's easier, just because you have to raise less money, give up less equity, whatever those things are. I'm of the mindset that you need to pick premium and go and go all in. That's important too. And you bring up a good point. I mean, there are some people that might look at this and say, okay, this A location costs more money. So maybe I should settle for a B or a C location because it's easier in terms of cash outflow. It's easier in terms of them trying to get investors or I might have to give up less control or whatever. But to your point, you've picked premier locations because there is good traffic there, which if you have a great product, you're going to bring in more customers. So yes, you might be paying a little bit more or a lot more for that space. But when you're looking at the long term and the big picture, it makes sense to do that. Yeah. I mean, again, it depends if it's a dry cleaner, if it's a car wash, they all have their different things, but matching up the real estate with what your vision for the business is, is probably the best way I can say it. I mean, Zaxby's has real interesting kind of B plus B minus locations. If you drive around like, wow, it's way off the road, but that works, that works fine for them. So it's it's not a one-size-fits-all strategy, but I will tell you, when it comes to real estate, one of the hardest things about it is it's just not, the opportunities are just not, they're not linear in nature. The exact size, the exact spot, the exact rental rate, the exact number of parking spots, signage opportunities, all those things, they don't come the month you need them. They just don't show up. You have to always be looking, and sometimes it requires massive patience. Could have done this deal, but I didn't, and and I've had to be patient. It's been hard, but I've actually waited 13 months, and I I actually got the dirt that I wanted because this opportunity opened up. So qualifying real estate is, is very difficult, and it's just one of the many hats that I've been wearing as a founder for eight or nine years now, and boy, it's it's challenging, especially at our size now. So I, I look forward to continuing to build a team that can help. Well, you've certainly been doing some great things. You've had a great team so far. You've been recognized on the local scale, the national scale, CNN, QSR magazine, Fast Casual magazine from a national standpoint, as well as local publications in Atlanta, such as Atlanta Magazine, Eater Atlanta, and more. One of the things that I like to talk about on the show is moving the ball 
is really about, and dominating and excelling in your field is really about differentiation and separation. So differentiation in terms of if you're a business owner, how are you differentiating yourself relative to your competition? And then also when it comes to the things that you do, how are you separating yourself and how you handle your business, your culture, how you lead the team to really, again, excel and to dominate the game, as I like to say. What are things that you've done, Nate, to really differentiate your portfolio of offerings with Gusto in terms of your menu and then just the brand itself? And then what are some of the things that you think you've done to really separate yourself in terms of growing this business into what it is today? You know, I'd like to think our product is pretty unique. We want to be kind of at the intersection in two places. The intersection of kind of where beauty meets convenience, where semi-exotic meets approachability in terms of flavor profiles. I mean, I get just put it very bluntly. There's never been a healthy fast food. Why has that never existed? Why isn't that a thing? You know, nobody's really rarely talks about the health problems that this country has, that the whole world's getting. And we certainly don't do everything perfectly. And healthy means a lot of things to a lot of people. But our last five locations have a drive-through and we are attempting to disrupt fast food, not just be another fast, casual salad chain. And that comes with great opportunity and also is very difficult to swim upstream and try to convince folks to not go over here, but to come over here. For me and for our brand, I think attention to detail goes a long way. Our mission is to create life-giving food, life-giving connections, and life-giving spaces. So we want to create places that are bright, have a lot of oxygen in them. The Michael Jackson's on the radio. They have to have a heartbeat. They have to be alive. Food aside, you, you mentioned culture. I mean, we are, we're trying to grow a strong employer brand. I don't want to say try, we are. It's hard when you're little and you don't have a lot of resources. And it's hard to reinvest in your team when the bottom line and margins are so thin. Gusto, meaning passion, enthusiasm. We're never hopefully going to have a restaurant where you walk in and our team doesn't feel alive, the space doesn't feel alive. And hopefully that food makes you feel alive. And, and that's that's kind of the opposite of the 1980s, 1990s buffet mentality of let me get as much food as possible and then go lay in the lazy boy. We're hoping our product energizes you and gives you life. So that's a little bit about the product. The culture requires all day, every day intentionality. We have strong values. Most of our company knows what they are. And we're at a place now where more talent is knocking on our windows saying, we want in, we want to be a part of this. This has juice, this has momentum. That's damn exciting. That's so fun because it's been a relatively amateur organization up to this point with a bunch of us who love each other and want to take care of each other and also want to win. But we're, we're headed to what I would call semi-pro ball at the moment. It's just constantly learning, constantly learning, constantly having your hands open saying, how can I get better? Not like I got this figured out, but how can I get better? One of the things too, just so people are aware, you were named by QSR magazines as one of the best brands to work for in 2022. So, I mean, you guys are obviously doing great things. You are moving the ball. So you have 12 locations out there right now. Kind of what is your vision for the future? One of our values that I mentioned is quality over quantity. So 
We're not going to grow. Some would argue we've been growing at a fast pace. It depends on who you ask. I'll tell you what, we're, we're not really bundling this up and selling franchises. You could be in three markets in a couple of years if you struck the right deals in our business. We're corporately owned. We think we have a chance to change our world. And that's big and hairy and audacious. But, you know, if, if not us, who? You know, so we are methodical in our, our strategic growth. I'll, I'll speak to the next three years. We're going to open three to five restaurants per year. We're targeting Atlanta Airport. I think our product belongs in an airport setting and the Atlanta Airport's busiest in the world, et cetera. So, and by the end of 2025, we'd like to be in one new market. And right now, targeting Nashville, the city that's just been on fire. So, by the end of 2025, we're targeting X amount of revenue, X amount of units. A lot of my time now is spent on quote-unquote organizational design, how to design a, an efficient but bad-to-the-bone corporate team that is serving our leaders in the trenches. And they have some of the hardest jobs on the planet. So I hope I answer your question, but we're going to move the ball. We're going to matriculate the ball down the field. We're not throwing a Hail Mary. I'm getting in your world. We're, we're, not, we're not taking out big chunks. We are going to, it's going to be second and six, and, and then it's going to be third and one. We're going to get a first down. We're, we're just going to thoughtfully and methodically grow so that we can do it the right way. And I love that you mentioned that because as part of the Move the Ball movement too, and I mentioned in my Move the Ball book, it's not just about the Hail Marys. It's about that incremental ball movement and getting that next first down. And so I love that you're taking your time. It's not about let's grow as big and as fast as we can. It's about let's do things right and let's be very intentional and deliberate and we'll expand as it makes sense. But we also don't want to compromise what we've built so far. So I think that's great. It's hard to get that decision because you're not going to get rich quick. If that's your goal, then you got to play the lottery. This takes a long time. Again, my path's not the same. I'm not saying it's better or worse than anybody else's to each his own. However, to do something meaningful and to try to have the courage or the craziness to scale a brand that, that you want to be around for the next 50 years as it moves across the country, that requires thoughtfulness and careful responsibility of not, not only spending investors' money correctly, but it requires great patience. And it's just markedly different than how a lot of people think. You know, it's like, are you going to sell this? Are you going to do this? Are you going to make a bunch of money? Or are you gonna... I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but at Gusto, like, I don't, we feel like we have this crystal in the palm of our hand. And where we go with it, we're, we're not sure, but we feel like there's tremendous opportunity. So we're just taking measured steps and Chick-fil-A did that for a long time and they still do that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like Truett Cathy said, if we do it well, our customers will demand that we do it more. So quality over quantity is really in the spirit of like, if they're telling us they need more and come here and come here and open a location here, we're doing things right and we just have to be patient. So, Nate, what I want to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have some fun. And I'm going to ask you some interesting questions to get to know you a little bit more. We will be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, 
or a bigger salary. You need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy to implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Nate, we are back and I want to run you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. First question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? I would say creative, open-minded, determined. Great three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Most of my young life, I wanted to be a golf course designer. I wanted to be a landscape architect when I was young. And fortunately, I got a chance to now design buildings and be a part of designing menu and brand. So I kind of got there, but architecting golf courses was a dream when I was little. I have dozens of books of fake layouts. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion-dollar company, and why? I think being CEO of a billion-dollar company, there's just tremendous power and education and brilliance in that. The glory that comes with being the best at your sport is, is also unmatched. If I had to choose one now, I would say CEO. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I was going to give you a, a podcast. Danny Meyer, famous restaurateur out of New York, was just a guest, but I'm blanking on the name. I'm reading a book called Exceptional Leadership right now. I have a new coach that I've hired to help me become a better leader. Like I said, it's been pretty organic. So these guys, this this coaching firm's version of exceptional leadership is based on being inwardly sound and others focused. And so that is the book I'm reading and the kind of the curriculum that I'm dialed in on right now. Oh, nice. And you and I have talked outside of this podcast about leadership. And as you know, my background, I spent many, many years in Fortune 50 companies in senior leadership. And so those companies that were really, really great about providing leadership training and just exposing me to really phenomenal leaders. And so I think that's great that you're looking at getting some additional guidance and training in the area of leadership, because it is important, especially when you're running a brand and a business and you've got these 12 locations and incredible employees that you be a great leader for them. A lot of us former athletes think we just kind of get by on our talent. The entrepreneurial business world just straight up eats you up and spit you out. No matter how famous you are, when you start messing with people's money, They care less and less about the football game you want. Everybody owes it to themselves to foster their own growth. If if you're not moving forward, you're probably going backwards. And it's, it's hard and exhausting and it's hard to find the time. But my goal over the next five years is really to work on investing as many, as many of our dollars and assets as we can into growing our leaders and not, not just me, but growing our leaders. And there's nothing more fun and validating and and cool and also valuable to see the folks around you get better and light bulbs go off. It was more so mostly about me at the beginning, but now I'm surrounded by hundreds of folks and a lot of really amazing human beings. So my responsibility is to foster an environment of growth for them. Oh, I love it. And I mean, you are successful based on the growth of your employees and the success 
of them and them developing as leaders too. So I think that's great that you're focusing on their growth and development. The next question is, what would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? I think at this stage in the game, if I was guaranteed to succeed, I would be a tree farmer in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, that's an interesting profession. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but you said I'd win, right? Yes, you would. (laughs) So I think being a farmer, being a rancher, those simple, hard, being close to nature, those are some of my nuggets in my soul. Okay. Next question is, you have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? Probably going to New Zealand, Singapore, Portugal, Peru, Argentina. I'll probably end in Italy. My wife is Italian and we have a a little boy and I'll probably end in Italy and just say, just leave us here. I'll I'll find my way home. Great places to check out. The bonus question, Nate, is M&M's, plain or peanut? Peanut. Great choice. That's my choice, too. So, Nate, as we look to close the show, let people know, where can people follow you? Give us the website URL. I love it, too, because it's not just like gusto.com. It's what's your gusto. So I kind of said that one for you, but what's your gusto.com. But let people know where are you at on social media so people can continue to follow you on the journey, can check out Gusto, all that stuff. I kind of hide from the public a little bit. I don't do a very good job of, of self-promotion. I got to do better at storytelling as a founder, like it or not. But whatyourgusto.com is our website. It's a little beauty. It, it's going to show you our menu, our product. It's going to have our values down at the bottom. At whatyourgusto on Instagram. I think we're pushing 90,000 followers. It's legit. It's entertaining. We're an Atlanta-born brand, so we love showing off our city the diversity and the wins and the progress we're making. We're also on LinkedIn. That's Gusto Fresh Bowls and Wraps. And that's important just because the bigger this gets, we get connected with folks and people searching for careers or storytelling. I would say our website, Instagram, and LinkedIn are the, are the best spots for us. Okay, perfect. And we will have those links in our show notes so people can keep up with Gusto. Go check it out if you're in the Atlanta area or if you're flying through. And hopefully we'll see it in the Atlanta airport sometime soon as well. When the time is right, no rushing. It's going to be deliberate and intentional. But as someone who travels a lot through Atlanta, I look forward to one day seeing Gusto in the airport too. Well, Nate, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a true pleasure. The joy is mine. It's, It's fun to rehash some of these stories. So thank you so much. Oh, of course. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening. Once again, if you haven't already done so, hit that follow button so that you're always in the know for future episodes. And also share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. Thanks again for listening. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also share the show with a few friends too. Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.